Welcome to PTJ Author Interviews. PTJ Editor-in-Chief Alan Jetty talks with authors about the most interesting and sometimes surprising aspects of their work. And now, Dr. Jetty. I'd like to welcome listeners to this latest PTJ podcast. This is Alan Jetty, Editor-in-Chief of PTJ, and I'm very pleased today to welcome as my guest, Dr. Kale Krasovsky, who's with the Department of Physical Therapy at the University of Haifa in Israel, and also with the Pediatric Rehabilitation Department in Shiva Medical Center in Israel. Welcome, Tal. Thank you very much, Alan. Today we're going to talk about an article she and her colleagues published that focuses on older adults and paying an additional cost when texting and walking, the effects of age, environment, and use of mixed reality on dual-task performance. Tal, I'll give a little summary of your study, and then we can talk about it. The uh, focus of the study is texting while walking, and the authors make the point that it's become quite common among people of all ages, and mobile phone use during gait is increasingly associated with pedestrian injury. So the objective of the author's study was to evaluate the effect of age, the environment, as well as mixed reality on texting while walking performance. The author studied 30 young and 20 older adults who performed both single and dual-task texting and walking, both indoors and outdoors, with and without a mixed-reality display. In terms of their findings, indoors, similar interference to walking and texting occurred for both groups but only older adults' gait variability increased under the dual-task conditions. Outdoors, texting while walking was associated with larger age-related differences in gait variability, texting accuracy, and gait dual-task costs. Young adults in the study with better visual scanning and cognitive flexibility performed texting while walking with lower gait costs. The mixed reality display was unhelpful and did not modify walking or texting. So, Tao, my first question is, it it interested me, you selected two environmental conditions. For indoors, you used the quiet, well-lit, flat university corridor, and outdoors, a roofed outdoor flat university walkway that had several coffee shops and stores on one side and multiple bus stops on the other. How did you decide on the the environments that you would use in in your study? What we wanted to achieve is to be able to differentiate between these two environments, which are both assumed to be relevant to our everyday activities. And we were looking for comparable walking conditions. So the surface in both cases was flat and optical-free, So there were no stairs and no crossroads. But what we did want, though, is for the outdoors environment to have both visual and auditory distractors. And so there were buses, which were noisy because they were still not electric, unfortunately, and uh, people who were crossing in front of the study participants. And what we did was we monitored the quantity of the disturbances in the in the field of view using GoPro cameras, which were attached to the sternum of the subject. And we made sure that the data collection always occurred at similar times during the day. So we could verify that the level of crowding was higher for the outdoors environment, but importantly, it was similar between the groups. Were you surprised that in these two conditions, 
you did not see a main effect of the two environments on gate dual task cost variables. Did that surprise you and your colleagues? Not entirely. So in 2017, we had published a review paper where we compared studies that examined texting while walking, and what we found was that the vast majority of them examined indoors walking, so usually under very quiet laboratory conditions. So we didn't really know what to expect. But a notable exception to this rule was the study uh, from Plummer et al. in 2015, where the authors compared two indoor environments, one more busy than the other, and they showed that there was actually no difference in dual task costs between these environments for young, healthy individuals. So it may be that for young adults, doing this type of dual task is really not a big issue regardless of the environment. There was even a recent study in 2018 by Hinton et al., which showed that young, healthy adults can text while they walk on a split-belt treadmill. And we wanted the busy environment to be really busy, so that's why we selected an outdoors environment with unexpected occurrences, such as people and buses. And although we didn't find the main effect of environment in our study, what we did find was that some age-related differences were accentuated outdoors. So it actually may be that the difficulty associated with the increased visual and cognitive and motor load for older adults would be significant were the sample size somewhat larger, since we only had 20 older adults in this group. Yeah, that's a really good point. And speaking of those findings, you did report that older, in contrast to the younger adults, performed texting while walking with increased gait variability and decreased texting accuracy outdoors. Talk a little bit about why you think this age-related increase in gait variability may be important. Gait variability is a very well-known marker for fall risk in older adults, and studies have found increased variability of spatiotemporal gait parameters during performance of different cognitive dual tasks in older adults. And we know this even more accentuated in older fallers and in certain neurological populations such as people after stroke or with Parkinson's disease. And I can refer you to the meta-analysis of Al-Yalia et al. from 2011 showing this. And it is also known that this increase is associated with deficits in executive functions. So the fact that in our study we found this increase in gait variability only for older adults and not for young adults who are texting and walking appears to validate this task as a sensitive assessment of age-related decline in dual-task performance. And we also think that it indicates that for older adults, doing this type of dual task can be much more dangerous than for young adults. And we know that in the dual task studies, when the cognitive task is very simple, such as a reaction time task, gait variability may not increase in older adults. So the fact that we find this increase here when both the walking task and the texting task are relatively simple, a flat surface, and the task where you have to copy from screen, so nothing more complex, indicates that there is actually sufficient challenge in this task, specifically for the older adults group, even if they are relatively high-functioning, that could make it more dangerous for them in an ecological environment. Yeah, I can see that. It, it did make me think, though, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this. You noted in your report that the younger adults reported more daily use of features of the mobile phone such as texting and using the Internet, as compared to the older subjects in your study. Could this, in part, explain the results that you've just talked about in terms of the association of age with texting while walking performance? 
Yeah, so so that is a great question, and it's something that we were concerned with uh, in the study and in the process of uh, publishing it. And we actually asked both groups, and we found that not only were young adults more proficient in texting, they were also more likely to text while they walk in their daily life. So this was obviously a concern. And interestingly, we think it is still impossible to find a sample of older adults who are that proficient with mobile phone use. They just don't do it as much. And this situation will likely change with time. So we know that even for young adults, this dual task is easier now. And I can say this quantitatively because in the review that we published, which I mentioned before about texting, we calculated dual task costs for texting and walking in previous studies. And what we saw was that since 2007, which is approximately when researchers started publishing on this topic, the dual task cost actually decreases. So from 35% to around 15%, which is also what we find in our study. So it's obviously something that is worth tracking over time. And in my opinion, the important point here is that since we're comparing dual task cost, we're essentially comparing each subject to themselves. So this controls for some of this difference in experience. And another thing we did to verify that our results were not related to experience was a subgroup analysis where we took the young adults who were not avid texters, so according to their own self-report, and we saw that even when comparing this subgroup with the older adults group, there were still differences in dual task cost. Yeah, that's a really important subgroup finding because I was wondering if you if you did just take a sample of young adults who didn't text a lot. Well, most of them actually do. So <laughs> in uh, you know, so these are uh university students most of them. But some of them actually did it less than the others. That's very interesting. Let's talk a little bit about your mixed reality component of the study. In that condition, the front camera's input stream, the actual environment, was presented as background to the text, such that the field of view of the participant was not obstructed by the phone, if I understand it correctly. But you found that the mixed reality did not have any association with texting while walking performance. Why do you think that was the case? We know in our modern world, uh, we're increasingly asked to attend to these multiple stimuli which are concurrent. And texting and walking is just one example of this. And we thought that possibly the increased dual task cost that we see is caused by constantly needing to switch our gaze between the mobile phone screen and the outside world. So we also thought that if the person could see the environment behind the text, they would perhaps not need to do this, and then the cost would be reduced. But as you mentioned, we did not see this. In fact, we saw no differences at all in performance of either task when we turned on this display. And this was sort of a low-tech solution to this problem, and we think it didn't work just because people were not actually using the superimposed visual input. Rather, they could just ignore it and look at the world. And possibly if the motor task had involved more complex stimuli, such as obstacles on the floor, we might have seen a difference. However, we now think that the fact that this did not cause individuals to be distracted, especially in the older adults group, who actually reported this display to be more distracting than for young adults, um, that this actually may be a good thing because they do report that it is more distracting, but their walking performance was actually unharmed, unchanged. So that might be a good thing, but 
in the modern world where technology is making this increasingly difficult to do, to ignore these stimuli, um, this is for what happens, for example, when you have augmented reality glasses, such as uh, HoloLens or Google Glass. And in fact, what we're doing now is we're conducting this follow-up study where we're using augmented reality glasses. And as it turns out, when you force people to attend to these stimuli, the distraction to walking is quite large. And this is definitely something that manufacturers of these types of technology should consider in the future. So in a sense, we had no change in terms of walking performance, but we do think that this may actually cause quite a large traction to individuals in the future. Of course, another approach would be to get people to stop texting while they're walking. Yes, that would have been, I guess, the optimal solution, but that actually doesn't really work. And there are other solutions, too. And we do see that the injuries caused by cell phone-related pedestrian injuries are increasing uh, very, very rapidly in the past few years. So this is becoming uh, quite a big concern. You know, you showed that your specific cognitive test, the trail-making test, was associated with performance in young adults but not in older adults. Did that surprise you? We were partly surprised. When we selected our texting task, we intentionally went for a texting task where the cognitive load would not be substantial. So subjects basically had to copy simple sentences from the mobile phone screen. And the trail-making test has a very strong component of visual search abilities. And we see that this task has everything to do with visual search because this is what you actually do when you need to find the location of the letters on the screen. So it was nice that we found this task to be correlated with dual tasks performance in young adults. In contrast, in the older adults group, which was a little smaller than the young adults, we did not find this relationship, and we were possibly not powered to find this relationship with this sample size. But we also think that this may be because the limiting factor of dual task performance would be different for these individuals. So we did find lower performance in the texting task for older adults across the board, but it was not correlated with cognitive performance or visual scanning. And these were very high-functioning individuals. They were non-followers, and it is interesting to scan these results and see what would happen were the sample more heterogeneous. Yeah, well, I think your point is really well taken, both on the heterogeneity of your sample and, and the sample size. Do you think that also explains the lack of an association between texting while walking variables and function in your sample? We had people do the timed-up-and-go test, the functional mobility And we didn't actually port a relationship with functional mobility in the older adult study. And we were cautious here in the statistical analysis. And we corrected for multiple comparisons. But we did find a correlation of 0.49 between the dual task cost of walking and the timed up and go. And I hypothesized that with a larger, again, more heterogeneous sample, this might have become significant. And I think this would support the case for a different limiting factor of dual task performance uh, among older adults and young adults. You mentioned in your report that you think the texting while walking would be useful as an assessment or an intervention tool. Could you talk a bit about that? When people participate in, in rehabilitation, they would actually like to be able to perform activities which are meaningful to them. And although you may think that texting while walking is good or not so good, the fact is that most of us do it. And we know that this task requires visual and cognitive and fine motor resources. It's quite complex. And we think it's ecologically valid more so than the typical dual tasks that are done in therapy. For example, a serial subtraction task or a reaction time task to a certain stimulus. 
So our work that we're talking about here showed that this task is sensitive to age-related differences in young and older adults. And we're now looking at different populations for whom this task may be even more meaningful. For example, I work at a large children's hospital here in Israel, and I'm interested in the development of dual-task performance abilities. And when you look at children and adolescents, we know that they send on average 167 text messages per day. And texting is becoming rapidly their preferred means of communications with their peers, so more so than face-to-face communication. And we think that for some children, for example, those who have attention deficit disorders or those who sustained a mild traumatic brain injury, this dual task may be even harder than for others and may impede their social interaction in ways that are currently hard to predict. So we're looking to see how sensitive this task is to differences between these populations, and we see that in general the amount of research on this type of task is proliferating, and we expect there to be more and more evidence supporting the use of this task as an assessment and eventually also as an intervention tool. Well, I look forward to seeing more of your work in this area. I found it really very interesting, and and I would agree with you, the ecologic validity uh, aspect of it could be really important. And I want to thank you for taking the time today to talk about your study with us, and uh, thank you for publishing it in PTJ. Thank you so much for inviting me.